0: This is No matter what's gone on No matter if you're older or younger Whether you're well off or not We all have opportunities to bless people If we're willing If we're willing to say God, this life These giftings All this that you have given me No matter how meager or how great Lord, I want to use it to be a blessing to the world In the name of Jesus And if God's people All of the Christians In the entire globe Were to get on this page And say God, you have blessed me so I can be a blessing The world would be blessed
1: When God's Word says something to you, you can come up with all kinds of excuses about why you can't, why it wouldn't work. As Pastor Daniel guides us through Abram's life, we'll hear how God takes seemingly impossible situations and creates nations from an imperfect person. Imagine what he can do through you. All you have to do is say yes and obey. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 1. With part one of his message entitled The Calling of Abram. Jesus
0: is Tonight is the beginning of a new series that we're calling Patriarchs, which we did take the first eleven chapters of the book of Genesis, and most scholars would tell you that there is a break in the flow of the book of Genesis between chapter eleven and chapter twelve, because beginning in chapter twelve, we're going to begin looking at the life of Abram, who becomes known as Abraham, and 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 there's books coming out New York Times bestsellers about Abraham being the father of the patriarch of the three major. Uh, monotheistic religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And we will see that here in the book of Genesis. Not that Abraham believes all of the things in all of those religions, but that he was the, the founder, the father of these three religions. And so we see the life of Abram, who becomes Abraham. We're going to see the life of Isaac, who was Abraham's son, the promised son. And then of Isaac's sons, we're going to see the life of Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so all of that we get from Genesis chapter 12 until Genesis chapter 50. So Genesis chapter 12, it begins this way. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth trees of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord Who had appeared to him And he moved from there To the mountain east of Bethel And he pitched his tent With Bethel On the west And Ai on the east There he built an altar to the Lord And, caused, and called on the name of the Lord So Abram journeyed Going on still toward The south Or in the Hebrew that last word south is the Negev Which is the desert Now in verse 1, things start rolling because you have now the Lord. Now, in your Bible, it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is Bible translators for the personal name of God. This would be in the Hebrew, it would be four consonants a yud, a he, a vav, and a he. And that's Hebrew for y h w h, which is I am who I am. Historically, they would say it was Jehovah. Scholars would say that. Primarily his, the name would be Yahweh And if you want, it, I can explain that to you later About the why, the different translations But you have the personal name of the almighty creator God Now said to Abram, who is this first patriarch And he says, get out of your country From your family and from your father's house To a land that I will show you So it's interesting that the Lord God talks to this man, Abram, and says, I want you to go on a pilgrimage. I want you to leave your father's house. Now, in those, in, that might sound normal to us, but in that day and age, and even up until the time of Jesus, people's livelihoods was tied to that of their family. All through the Old Testament, we're going to find people giving, getting land by tribe and by family head. So if your father had done well for himself, then his sons would live within his father's wealth. Now in America, we don't really do that as much. It's like if, if you own a house and you have kids, imagine when your kids get older, you just build a house right next to or on your house and your kids live with you. Now I know most of you parents are saying, I love my kids, but not that much, you know. But the idea was, is that your livelihood was tied to that of your father's. You always went into your father's business. So the fact that God, in calling Abram, the first thing he does is tell him to leave his father's house, to go away from his family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So he says, look, I want you to step away and I want to bring you into a land. So this promise, this calling of Abram, it says, I want you to leave your family and I'm going to bring you into a land. So all through the Bible, the concept of the land is a big thing. The concept of the land runs all the way through the Bible. God's promise of a place to be, a place to dwell, a place to live. Not only that, in verse 2, it says, And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now... Next he says, not only is he going to bring him to a land that he's going to show him, but then it says, I will make you a great nation. Now that's kind of odd, because if you recall from Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, it says that Sarai, who was Abram's wife, was barren, and she had no child. A few verses later, we're going to find that Abram was 75 years old. So if you're 75, and your wife is barren, And this was before the day and age of all the technology we have. What that means is that God is promising to make a nation out of a man who's 75, whose wife has been barren her whole life. I point that out because you all see there should be a a little bit of tension in that for us, isn't there? And the reason I want to bring that out is because if you are in a tough situation right now, then you're a prime candidate for God to be miraculous in your life. And that is the difference between the way American culture looks at problems and the way Christians ought to look at problems. Because Americans in our very, we walk by sight, we understand everything. We want it to be, we want to know everything. And we feel comfortable with everything. But the Bible teaches that if you have a problem, you're a prime candidate for God to be miraculous. And that totally changes it, doesn't it? When you're looking at a hardship and you're saying, look, I can't figure out how this is ever going to work out, but God can do anything in this situation. That totally changes the playing field. That totally changes the coloring of a situation. So Abram, his wife is barren. He is 75. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to bless you and make your name great. How awesome. God just pronounced blessing on Abram's life. He's like, look, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great. And each one of us, don't we want to hear that about ourselves? God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. But notice what this verse ends with. I think this is important. And you shall be a blessing. Now again, this is the difference between 21st century Western culture and the Bible. In 21st century Western cultures Give me, give me, give me Bless me, bless me, bless me So I can keep it So I can hold it for myself I want all my blessings I want to keep them all together Like I'm collecting figurines or something And I want all my blessings The Bible says, no, look You get blessed so that you can be a blessing Now, no matter where you are in your life and I'm not just talking finances No matter what gifting God has given you No matter what it is, God has given it to you not so that you can just use it for your own ends for the rest of your life, but for you to say, look, I've been given all this. How can I be a blessing to the world in the name of Jesus through this gift? God always blesses us to pass that blessing through to other people. And no matter where you are in life, no matter what's gone on, no matter if you're older or younger, whether you're well off or not, we all have opportunities to bless people if we're willing. If we're willing to say, God, this life, these giftings, all this that you have given me, no matter how meager or how great, Lord, I want to use it to be a blessing to the world in the name of Jesus. And if God's people, all of the Christians in the entire globe, were to get on this page and say, God, you have blessed me so I can be a blessing, the world would be blessed. People would say, man, I don't necessarily believe in their Jesus, but the world would surely be a pretty rotten place if they were gone. I love this. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make a great nation. And you're going to be a blessing. Maybe for some of us, we just need to simply write down in our journals, God has blessed me so I can be a blessing. Who can I bless? Who can I be a blessing to? Who can I come alongside in the name of Jesus and help? I love this. God wants us to pass. Don't hold those blessings. I've heard it said, you can't outgive God. And I like that. Because the thing is, is that if we hold on to our blessings, then our hands are full. But if we pass giftings along, we're just going to keep moving over. As we keep emptying our hands, God can keep filling us. To whom much has been given, much will be required. And the beauty is, is we don't just give to get more. I mean, that's just selfishness veiled in spirituality. We give so that we can give. And that the world will rejoice And that Jesus' name will be magnified in the world. And we keep giving, and our, our benefit from that is we just see Jesus' name be magnified in the world. People see the generosity, see the blessings that the body of Christ is bringing into the world in all, in a million and one ways. And they say, oh, I'm going to glorify their Father in heaven, like Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16. So would to God that all of us, that whatever He's given us, that as God has blessed us, we would be a blessing. And you might say, but listen, Pastor Daniel, that's all great and all, but you know, I don't really have anything to give. People say that, right? Like, it's a bad economy. I don't have anything to give. I'm retired. My health is failing. I always think of Peter and John in the temple courts in Acts chapter four, when the man wanted some money, said, look, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. God has blessed us with Jesus, with the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can say, listen, I don't really have anything to give you, but what I do have is, listen, God is changing my life. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. The Spirit of God dwells in me, and I just think you want to do that. And that's better than anything I could give you, because you'll have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, and you have nothing, you have everything. If you have everything, and you don't have Jesus, you got nothing. It's so easy to be a blessing. The Bible says, weep with those who weep. You don't have to have the words to say when someone's broken. Just hug them and cry with them. You don't have to fix them. Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb. Tears aren't sinful necessarily. When someone rejoices, just rejoice with them. See, God blesses us so He can be a blessing. I love this. Now, look at verse 3 I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. This is a powerful, powerful verse. Because it says, I will bless those who bless you. So because God has chosen Abram, this guy who's old and his wife is barren. God just chose him. Right? He says, look, I'm going to bless those who bless you. Those who bless you, I'm going to bless in return. And it's interesting, and I will curse him who curses you. You notice that those who will bless Abram are plural, and those who will curse him are singular. What God is telling him is, look, there's going to be way more people who are going to bless you than who are going to curse you. And you know what's so awesome? If you're God's kid today, that's true for you as well. There's going to be way more people who are going to want to bless you than who are going to want to curse you. And I know we live in a day and age where we're very scared, like, oh, they're not going to like me because I'm a Christian and all this stuff. But you know what? It's actually, that's just Satan's way to keep us from talking about how good God is. Because what's amazing is the statistics tell us that seven out of ten people will go to church with their friends if their friend just asked them. Seven out of ten. It doesn't say seven out of ten will get mad at you for asking, it doesn't even say that one out of ten is going to get mad at you for asking. Seven out of ten will just go if you said, hey, you want to come? See, now, I think it's important to realize we live in a day and age now, especially post Holocaust, and the Holocaust was an atrocity. Out of the Holocaust, a whole school of theology developed that is called dispensationalism. And what they've done is they've taken this verse and they've said that Abram's descendants are the children of Israel. And anybody who blesses the children of Israel, God will bless. And anybody who curses the children of Israel, God will curse. And that is true. But I think we're living in a day and age of what I like to call over-realized eschatology. Because what that's translated into is that everything that the nation of Israel does is godly, and everything that another nation does is ungodly. And know what the reality is? The only way to be godly is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And in the last days, God's gonna do something special with the nation of Israel. But we don't want to overrealize that, our eschatology because there's certain things that the nation of Israel that are, are doing that are just wrong. And I didn't just make that up. I'm not anti-Semitic. When I was in Israel with my friend, who's a 67 year old Orthodox Jewish man, we sat and we talked. He's like, listen, it, you know, as a nation, we're doing a ton of things wrong in regards to the Palestinians. He's like, We're not being gracious, we're not being merciful, we're not helping them at all. Maybe we're even creating some of this. I was just like, whoa. So I think we want to make sure we realize that God is going to bless his own, but we don't want to have an overrealized eschatology, which now we're attributing godliness to people who've re- rejected Jesus. And we know the only way to be right with God. Jesus said, he who knows me knows the Father, and he who rejects me has rejected my Father also. So we know God has a special plan for the children of Israel, but we don't want to make the mistake of saying everything that the nation of Israel as a nation, political nation does, is godly. Because it's not. And in the end of the day, guess what? God wants people who are Jewish saved. He wants people who are Palestinian saved too. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all. And we need to remember that. It's important to remember that. Especially in this day. Now, I'm not invalidating the Holocaust. One of the greatest atrocities in history. Seriously evil stuff. Not invalidating it. But the reality is, is, and that's why, you know, I appreciate Pastor Bill doesn't fly an Israeli flag in here. And he doesn't fly an American flag either in here. Because if you fly one flag, you've got to fly all of them. Because God is for the nations. How do I know? Look at the end of verse 3. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow. It doesn't just say some. All the families of the earth will be blessed through Abram. Why? Because the seed. Abram goes all the way down. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All the way down to David. All the way down to Mary and her son of the Holy Ghost, Jesus of Nazareth. And in him, in Abram, in this man who's been called God- Ushered the Messiah into the world Who is going to die on a cross And be risen again And this is glorious And I pray that in a day and age That we live in right now That we realize how blessed we are Because of Jesus Because of Jesus The reality of the resurrected life of Jesus In our lives We are so blessed Abundantly blessed We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us and that's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I was th- talking to someone today. I said, you know, we need to preach to ourselves and not listen to ourselves. Because oftentimes we all get into that whole, you guys know what it's like, right? Where you have that, that negative flow in your mind. It's like you have like a, a nasty commentator in your mind telling you all the thing that's wrong with your life. And we can either listen to that and buy into that and say, oh, you're right, you're right. Or we can preach to ourselves, you know what? I'm all messed up. But Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And you know what? Everything's spiraling out of control. But you know what? My God is a miracle worker and I believe in Him. You know, and we need to stop listening to ourselves and start proclaiming the gospel to ourselves. Start saying, you know what? Jesus died and rose again. I'm acceptable in the Beloved. I'm all good in God because of Jesus. Now, beautiful... Great promise, the call of Abraham Now look at what Abram does This is awesome Verse 4 So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him And Lot went with him And Abram was 75 years old When he departed from Haran I love this Simple obedience God said I want you to go And what did Abram do? He got up and went This is what I call the simplicity of the ethics of the Bible Is when God says do something, just do it how often, I mean, I'm the king at this, so I, I can just, I, I'll just include you guys in my own struggles. When God's word says something, and I come up with all the reasons why that's just not possible. But Lord, you know, like as if I'm filling God in on the ways the world works. You know, Lord, I can't do that. Like, I mean, that's just not possible. That's like my son Obadiah, when I want him to clean his room. Oh, but then I got to finish this Lego helicopter. I'm like, well, I, I get you want to finish your Lego helicopter, bud. But, but you've got to clean your room first. Well, but, 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 I'm like, buddy, listen, if you don't clean your room, I'm going to take your Lego helicopter. Oh. And then he cleans his room and he finishes helicopter. And everyone's happy. But a lot of us do that with God, don't we? God says, I want you to do this. And you say, well, are you really sure, God. I think that's one of the beauties of the Bible If you read the Bible And just simply obey it Simple obedience But what's interesting is that He did leave But notice God told him to go without his family And he brought Lot with him That's going to play in It's going to play into how this all rolls Over the next couple chapters but it's interesting because Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, it was kind of cool that it was part of our promo video. It says this By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. So even though Abram didn't know where he was going, you notice that God didn't tell him exactly where he was going. He just told him to go. And on the way, God showed him where to go. I think this is an important lesson for us because we all want all of the answers, don't we? But we really want to walk by sight and not by faith. We would say, imagine if God told you, listen, I want you to leave your family right now. You say, well, where am I going? God's silent. Most of us aren't going, right? Right? See, God doesn't give us all of the— He doesn't give us you the five-year plan. I mean, honestly, if you would have told me this time last year, hey, uh, in a year from now, you're going to be pastoring a Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington, I would have laughed my head off. And I'm like, you're out of your minds. See, God doesn't give us all of the answers. We need to take the steps of faith we know He's asking us to do and let Him unfold what He wants to unfold. I'm quite sure in a group this size, there's a lot of people who right now you're dragging your feet on doing what God has asked you to do because He hasn't given you all the details you require. What if the only time he's gonna give you those details is if you start being obedient on the step he's asked you to take? He doesn't tell Abram where he's going, he just tells him to go. Abraham goes and he's in the hall of faith. He obeyed when he was called to a place that he would receive his inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going.
1: Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel began his series entitled Patriarchs, which follows the life of Abraham, a man who, even in his imperfection, was called the father of nations. We are so happy that you're a part of our Jesus is real radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported radio program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. We're asking for your support to expand into new territory so even more listeners can hear the message of Jesus. Your generous donation of any amount will help, whether you partner with us as a monthly supporter or if you're simply giving a one-time gift that God puts on your heart today. Simply text your gift to 855 910 8300. That's 855 910 8300. Or donate online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. You can mail a check to Jesus Is Real Radio at 7708 NE 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. Thank you for your generosity and thank you for listening to Jesus is Real Radio. As we continue to follow Abram, he comes to the place God has led him. His actions as God guides him are varied, much like our own lives as we respond to the Lord. What we'll find with Abram is that after he stumbles in his decisions, he goes back to where God met with him. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.